0: Mark chapter 10, I want to let you know in advance, because I'm reading kind of a lengthy portion. We're going to read verses 35 through 45. Verses 35 through 45. The Bible says, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, We would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, you know not what you ask. How many's ever heard along the way growing up, you better be careful what you ask? For? <laughs> he asks them a couple of questions. Can you be able to drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And it's like they never missed a beat. They said, we can't. Jesus said unto them, All right. Well, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I'm baptized with, shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand, my left hand, that's not something I'm giving you. That's not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when, when the ten heard it, mm, when the when the other dudes overheard what they were bargaining for they begin to be much displeased with old James and John but Jesus called them to him he uses the moment to begin to teach them his heart you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to draw my title from the text in verse 41 because I think it is the verse that most of us can easily relate with when the 10 heard it. (laughs) Everybody in this room has had the ability to get annoyed. I know it hasn't happened to anybody in the last week. But if you've ever overheard anything or seen anything or been a part of anything, Let's not say it annoyed you. Let's just say you got displeased. Let's be real KJV about your irritation. Brother Barkus, it can happen to all of us. But God can take a moment like that and he can teach us to be more like him. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you before I begin to preach and even before we begin to pray, I want to be more like him. Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for our time in your house. This is your church. These are your people. It's my weighty obligation to try and share your word with your people on your day. I'm asking if we're distracted, you'd help us to get focused in on your word for a little bit. We didn't come today for a show. We came to hear from heaven. We need you to minister in this house. I pray you'd help me to relay your word with wisdom, with clarity, under the anointing of your spirit, that we might be more like you because of time in your house. I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. Amen. Repeat after me before you're seated. And when the ten heard it. (laughs) You may be seated. When the ten heard it. When the ten heard it. His name was William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army, known for his passionate commitment to loving and serving people. How many know that's not a bad thing to be known for? Particularly the poorest residents of the poorest sections of London. Many, in fact, inspiring quotes have been attributed to him about evangelism and Christian service over the years. But one of the most effective and insightful quotes attributed was also the shortest. It was in 1910 that the leaders of the Salvation Army invited the aged Booth to address their annual convention. It was scheduled to convene during the Christmas season, but Booth's health had begun to rapidly deteriorate and physically he was unable to be in attendance. In fact, in less than two years, he would pass from this life. But since he could not physically be present, the meetings organizers had asked if he would at least send a telegram that could be read to those that were in attendance. Now, it's important for us to recognize in our modern society in the days where sending a text is almost insignificant in regards to cost, but in these days, sending a message via telegram was a costly method of communication. It was, after all, lightning fast. William Booth was gonna have to find some way to inspire his fellow workers using as few words as possible so that much would not be spent Upon this telegraph, according to the story, he pondered what he could say and how he could communicate his feelings with those that had gathered there at the convention. He wanted to inspire them. He had devoted his life to trying to assist others. He wanted to say something to motivate those Salvation Army personnel who who had been selflessly giving of their time and their energy during one of the coldest and the darkest months of the year to serve those poor and those vulnerable individuals and neighbors. And when the day of the convention finally arrived, the meeting, it filled with delegates from all over who were eager to hear from Booth himself. The founder will be here, you know. It's his voice that we long to hear however it began to ripple in discouragement through that room when they found out booth himself would not be in attendance yet there was an uptick that began to happen when they found out that booth had sent personal word there's a telegraph there's a telegraph there's a telegraph there's a telegraph the words begin to echo through the room they were going to hear From Booth on the telegram as opened up by the announcer, ready for the lofty words of their founders. There was simply one word written upon that telegraph that was read aloud to the hearers. That word was Others. Others. Booth did his best to summarize in his final address of that convention. Our mission is about others. I will tell you here today that if you study the life of Christ from the beginning to the very end and if you read this holy book from cover to cover, you will find out He wants us to be about serving others. Not to be about serving ourselves. Not to be about building our own kingdom but to be about building the kingdom of God by serving others. And it's here in this text, Mark 10 and 45, when the Bible says, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was a servant. Turn to your neighbor and tell them he was a servant. And if we are not careful as Christians, we all too often treat him as ours. I'm like that teacher in class that stopped talking long enough that the room got awkward. If we're not careful, he is our bellhop and not our Lord. But he is the King of Kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And yet in this moment, he teaches the disciples, even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister unto others. If you're going to be great in this kingdom, he taught them, then you're going to have to be a servant. This is an interesting chapter, ladies and gentlemen, Mark chapter 10. It really is an interesting chapter. It all weaves and works together. It starts with a portion about relational value in the topic of divorce. And then Christ begins to interact with different individuals, the first of which is a group of children which came to Jesus. Now, can we be honest in this room? Some of us are children people and some of us, If kids make you nervous, you know, it's okay. There are some grandparents that can't wait to have the kids over. There are some grandparents that can wait. (laughs) And grandparents feel guilty to say that, but there are some that are just not wired. I'm trying to let some of you off the hook. Now you gotta be sweet, but there's some of you that are not quite wired to do that. They make you nervous. You haven't had your nerve peeled and they come over. and. <laughs> but we need to recognize the time and the culture that we're dealing with in Mark chapter 10. It's a very sketchy situation. Infanticide is very normative practice in these days and children are easily discarded. And in today's culture, we know Brother Scott, we know that in the realm of political things, it is not just a good idea, it's a necessary thing. If you're a politician, you better love them babies, right? People that don't even like children, all of a sudden they love the baby, right? Shaking hands and kissing babies. Don't get it the other way around. That's a. There you go, you caught it. In this day, that was not the case. When it came to the supremacy of leadership, even in those that were pious in religious leadership, children were not to approach them. They could be taught in a particular way if they were male, but children were not to run up, and certainly they were not to run up and grasp for the legs of the rabbi. And even the disciples were dissuaded in this particular area because if we're not careful, culture can affect the church more than the church. affect culture. And the children run up, and what was the response? You know, you've heard it since you were young, and you've read Mark 10 multiple times, and you've seen it in the Gospels. When the children run up to Christ, what was their first response? Their first response was to get the children away from the Lord. But that was not the heartbeat of Christ. The heartbeat of Christ was like a Wednesday night at kids' church Don't don't do that. Suffer the little children to come to me. And then he messes with everybody in the crowd. He chastises everybody out there when he says, in fact, except you be like a little child. And none of the pious adults were ready for this. None of the people that had earned their stripes in living for him. I've been doing this a long time. I I know what it's like. In fact, we know where they were mentally because there's even a couple of disciples that are about to say, we can have your baptism, we can drink your cup. We've earned this. And Jesus looks at that whole crowd and tells them, except you become like a little child. Can I just remind us here today, we've got to put our ego aside. What was he teaching them? There needs to be a youthful desire, almost a childlike faith, as it were, that we're not worried about the opinions of others. But what if people judge me? Well, they're going to judge you anyway. I got news for you. Yeah, but what if people talk about me? They're going to talk about you. That's the world we live in. Yeah, but what if people would make fun of me? They're they're going to. So you've got to become like a child where there is no supposition. The beautiful thing about children is that they actually believe what you say. They haven't been taken advantage of to the point where they have begun to erode that faith and that confidence. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't ever want to let this world begin to erode my faith in the things of God and in the Word of God. That's why it's necessary, even when we come in God's house, whether you've been here for five minutes or for 50 years, when we come into His presence, we come with thanksgiving. We walk in here and we begin to praise Him. It's why we never want our services to become a show where we're entertained. Did you hear her go flat on that song? Did you hear him mess up the beat on that? Did you you see when the video was supposed to have sound and didn't? I got news for you. This ain't a show for us. We're here for one reason. Let us become like little children. When the sound's not good, he is. When the video doesn't work, he does. Come on. This prayer that happened a few minutes ago, that's why we're here. We're here to open up this word and say, let God be true and every man a liar. I need somebody like a little child that would say, whether anybody else likes it or not, I'm gonna get to Jesus. I'm gonna get to the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And that's what happens. And Jesus begins to teach them. And as if it were a dramatic switch, you know, we always tell these stories. We just don't always put them together because we're going to go from little children to the rich young ruler. Everybody in this room's heard the rich young ruler preached about probably. Comes to the Lord, begins to have an interaction, a discussion with him. Begins to tell him, Lord, I would like... I would like to please you, like to do whatever it, whatever it takes to, to be with you. In fact, he, he even called him master. It's amazing when a young ruler that has everything can recognize he is the master. And even Jesus Wonders, why did you call me good? Look at Mark 10, 18. Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor Honor thy father and thy mother. Jesus is having this interaction with him when he's asked, Master, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus tells him, these are the things you can't do. And he answered in verse 20 and said, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then then Jesus beholding him loved, everybody say loved. loved, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, there's one childlike element that you are lacking. Go your way, sell what you've got and give it to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And, and he was sad at that saying. and he went away. The Bible says he went away, grieved, for he had many great, for he had great possessions. Pastor, I've read this many times. I want to tell you something and I've never said it in this way in all my life, but I promise you and I want you to hear me. I've been with Jesus for this service and the Lord reminded me I was serving that boy. Please hear my language as intentionally as the Lord gave it to me. He said I was serving that boy. I was serving that young man when he came to me. He came asking me about eternal life and as same as I was serving those children, I was serving that young man. He came to me and I gave him the list of do's and don'ts and he was able to say, I've done all that. And I challenged him at the heart of his issue. Jesus was not setting a doctrine for any time you're blessed to go and sell everything. I've I've heard people try to make a a doctrine out of this where you got to sell everything. That's not what Jesus was going to the heart of that boy. He was in the heart of that kid. He said, if you really want eternal life, I'll tell you what you've got to deal with. I'm going to serve you right now. And that boy walked away grieved because sometimes service is offensive. I don't expect any shouting in this part. Sometimes service offends you. Sometimes service feels like, well, that doesn't make sense because they don't have to do that and they don't have to do that, but God knows right what you. If it's required of me, why isn't it required of them? And if you're going to do this here, then why didn't you do this here? And if this is going to happen here, why don't you do it? It's your heart of the issue. And I've got news for everybody in this room. He may call you to do some stuff he's not going to call your neighbor to do. It's called personal conviction. Right. There are some things that they might be able to handle that you can't handle. I'm going to say it very plainly so that everybody gets it. There's some people in this room, you can, you, you're okay with a computer after midnight. There's others. You're not. There's some people in this room, you could, you could handle making a million dollars a year. Some people in this room, you can't. He just took my million dollars. It's not me. I'm not the one that can give it. But I will tell you right now, if a million dollars a year would become your God, I pray he never gives it to you. It's the truth. Some people can't handle it. And there was an issue in the heart of this boy. And Jesus was speaking directly to it. It's not that these things, these do's and don'ts can't be done. You're a man of discipline. It's a part of the reason you've been able to have the wealth you've got. We don't attribute that. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. When we deal with our our men, I try to talk about this. We need our young men and our young ladies to recognize you still got to work hard and have discipline. I hate all this concept. Well, I just want to get some side gig that pays me $100,000 a year. Pfft. Give me a break. You're going to have to work and earn it. How many know that's the truth? And if we're not careful, we got these infomercial lifestyles where people who say, take this pill and you'll be thin and have a six pack. Yeah, and also cardiac arrest, that's a side effect. Do this little side job. All you gotta do is do this little side job and you can make $100,000 a year on the side. And we got people more spending more time chasing infomercials and stuff that's not real. It's like cotton candy that thinks, man, that's sweet, but it fades as soon as. And we've carried that mentality into the church and we're busy telling Jesus everything we've done. Hey, I did all that. I did all that. I did all that. And Jesus says, okay, then let me come to the heart of the matter. Go sell your stuff. Here's the truth for everybody in this room. We've all got stuff. It might not be financial. It might be egotistical. It might be our thought life. It might be the things we cling to because they make us who we are. Oh, I'm just, that's just the way I was raised. That's just the way I was raised. Jesus said, well, sell it. Give that up. Give up the way you were raised. Here's how I know what he's talking about here because he ties it to the cross. He said, get rid of your stuff and pick up a cross. Get rid of your stuff and pick up a cross. He is serving this young man. He's serving him, and I'm going to tell you, it was, it was like eating mixed greens, not steak. Think of the vegetable, let's just, let's just do a little, Brother Gwaltney, let's just do, I think your wife can make anything taste good, but let's just, let's just try, okay? I want everybody in the room, the thing you, you just don't want to eat from sardines to cabbage, just, how about sardines and cabbage? Anything you don't want to eat on the count of three, I want you to say it. One, two, three. Now some of you did it, some of you didn't. Let's try again now that you know everybody around you is going to say something. One, two, three. I heard some weird stuff out there. I I don't even know. Some of the things I heard, I don't know that those are even like is someone trying to make you eat? Here's the deal. Jesus was able to look at him and say, you think nobody knows what your problem is, but I know what your problem is. You came to me and you called me master and you called me good. But I know who your master really is. I know what the master of your mind and the master of your heart really is. Here's what I need to present to you. And I need everybody in the room to please hear me. Please, please catch this. He is not being any more harsh with the young man than he was loving with the children. And we never tie these together, but they're the same. They're in a a set of three that are going to be affected. We're about to talk about a blind man named Bartimaeus and the children and, and the rich young ruler and blind Bartimaeus. They're all together in the midst of culture. And Jesus is showing them, I know how to serve you right where you are. He needed He needed those adults to recognize, don't you think you ever outgrow the faith of a child? And he needed those children to know, don't you let anybody ever keep you from coming after God. He needed that to be told. But right here in this private interaction with this rich young ruler, it seems like now he's being harsh. But he's not being harsh. He's got others on his heart. He's got eternity on his mind and he's looking at this young man and he's saying you're calling me good and you're calling me master but if you'll go sell that stuff and you'll take up a cross you can have what your heart desires. And what did he do brother Friendly? Why are you so And if we're not careful, we will take genuine acts of service that are meant to help get you closer to Jesus and we'll be offended by them because they're not the language we want to hear. Well, if you really loved me, then you wouldn't talk like that. You'd just you'd just treat me like, you wouldn't treat me that way. You wouldn't ask this of me. Pastor, you wouldn't want me to do this if you really loved me. No, sometimes when I've been with the Lord and the Lord has told me, that's the thing that's between you and eternity. I promise you I'd rather take a chance on offending you momentarily than your soul being lost forever. Because you're... I wanna be a part of a church that says, pastor, don't preach to make us feel good. Preach to get us to heaven. Help us to get from life to heaven. I wanna make sure that my eternity is secure. I'm gonna tell you, I want Brother Lopez, I want you, when you preach, don't you preach to tickle our ears. When our youth pastor preaches, I don't want him to preach to tickle our kids' ears. I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. Get us to heaven, get us to heaven. Every preacher, you get up to do a highlight in this place, don't you take that highlight opportunity so that somebody will slap you on the back and say good job. I hope people can enjoy I hope, not, no, I hope that we don't preach and people are like, oh. Hope we can enjoy it. But don't we hope more than anything that God can be pleased with what we're saying and what we're doing And I'm gonna tell you, if you know it or not, when you set in on the preaching, you're a part of the preaching. Your response, your amen, your clapping, your shouting, it is a part of the preaching. And God takes note as to whether we believe his word or not. And since I'm gonna be judged by him as your pastor, I'm gonna tell you on this Sunday morning, like he spoke to that rich young ruler, I'm gonna tell you if there's anything, if there's anything in your life that is keeping you from following him with joy, if there's anything in your life that is keeping you from grabbing onto your cross, then I want to tell you something. That job has become your cross. That relationship has become your cross. It's become the thing you're going to die on. How many have ever heard or even used the statement, you better decide whether that's a hill you want to die on? Not every hill is worth dying on. We've all used that terminology. I need to speak to you and I need you to hear me clearly right now. If it's going to cost you your soul, that's not a cross worth dying on. As a father, I find myself wanting my children to be successful God knows my heart. I hope they are. We press for education. We push that. We want them to be well-learned and well-educated. But I'd rather them die penniless loving Jesus. Man, I'm talking to somebody. I'm reaching for some parent in this room this morning. I hope that they're good at sports, but I promise you them being good at sports ain't going to get them into heaven. Well, it's teaching them discipline. You listen to me right now. The most important discipline that they can have is knowing there's nothing worth my soul. Everything else would have to be cashed in. Are you against sports? Not at all. I love it. Enjoy it. I think we ought to be physically active. But I think if sports is why we miss church, it's our cross. And I can do that across the board. Every now and then we got people that because of your job schedule, you can't come to church. I'm not taking shots at you at all. I understand that. I understand that. I recognize that. But if it's the thing that you think of more than him. The Bible says... It shows, it seems to show these kids were anxious to get to him. And then this rich young ruler, he was he was almost grieved in his spirit, is why he came. He was conflicted. He he wanted it. Or, or was it that he wanted to be able to brag on all he had done? I think what he wanted was Jesus to say, you've already done it all. You got it. Because Jesus goes down the line, and that that boy said, From my youth, I've done all these things. And a little crooked smile crosses his face until Jesus says, Well, I can tell you the thing. And how many know that if Jesus would sit down next to every one of us on a pew right now, he could tell each of us the thing? He could tell each of us the thing. I feel a little moment in the room. Would you lift your hands with me? Would you pray with me right now for just a moment? Would you say, God, if there's anything, if there's anything, God, this is a room full of great people, great believers that want to love you and serve you, doing my best to follow this assignment as you've so challenged me. I'm doing my best to serve people. Help us, help us not to have anything that would keep us from pleasing you. Somebody say amen if you feel that way. And if you'll allow me, I'll hasten to this third individual, which I've preached about independently. In fact, in all of my years, I've never preached on these individuals together, these three groups of people. I've never done this, but by the time we get to verse 46, in the same chapter, when they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, side begging other. And when they had heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. and He said, Jesus, thou son of David. Here we have this kid. Here we have this young man. Here we have this blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And here we are, the culture that affected the children in the chapter near the beginning is now the culture that's affecting this blind man on the road. And they charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more. You can't even go into the temple. You You don't have rights. You leave him alone. But he cried out all of the more and he just lifted his voice and said thou son of David have mercy on me Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And everybody, listen, everybody was culturally flabbergasted. They were shocked. They were even appalled that he would call him. That man has no right to come to Jesus. But Jesus, 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 Jesus was teaching them. I didn't come to be ministered to. I didn't come here so that people could minister to me. I came to minister. He Calls him and we know The healing that occurs in this when casting away his garments, he rose, he came to Jesus. Verse 51 says, Jesus answered and said, What is it? What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And if you'll allow me just a moment, I will tell you that that Jesus will cause each of us to come to a place of confession. Everybody in the crowd knew, Brother Stumbo, what that guy needed. Do you think Jesus was confused what blind Bartimaeus needed? But somewhere along the way, blind Bartimaeus daily had not been begging for sight. It had become begging for alms. And Christ needed to know at the root of the issue, do you want money? Do you just want to get by? Or Are you willing to be transparent about the real issue in your life that's affecting everything else? Most of what we deal with is a symptom of the real thing. People that are frustrated all the time grouchy all the time usually it's a it's a symptom. I think my dad would be okay with me using this illustration many many years ago twenty some years ago uh, in his early forties my dad my dad was quick tempered he was short tempered and I, I don't mean that as a statement I, uh, I don't mean that disparaging at all. He just was, and he was a blue-collar, hard worker, worked in that kind of environment, and I can remember him being short-tempered, but it seemed to progress. He was more and more short-tempered. He was frustrated easily until he walked in for a routine checkup for work and found out that his kidneys were at 17% function and deteriorating. My mother donated my father a kidney all those years ago and it was a miraculous thing from God. It's a part of our testimony what the Lord did. She was the first and the only person that was ever tested. It was a miracle in our family. It's something that I use to talk to young people and tell them it matters who you date because it matters who you marry. Probably got something in them you might need. But when he went in for that checkup, he went in and got tested. They found out a part of the reason that he was so irritable was because his body was shutting down on the inside and his chemicals were all off whack. I remember after that procedure, how sweet my dad was. I was like, my God, I'd have gave you a kidney years. But I'll never forget him laying after that sickness, he said, I laid on that bed. And as the, as they were doing some physical work on me, the Lord was doing some heart work on me. He said, and I was starting to recognize the symptoms of my life and things that had happened. He said, and I found out what things matter and what things don't matter. And I will tell you church members of God, please hear me. The devil wants to make us focus on things that don't matter and get little things hidden inside of us that cause everything else to be off balance and everything. He asked that man, he said, what do you want from me? And I feel like the Lord's walked in this house today and he's not asking you, do you want your side effects fixed? Not do you just want to be in a better mood? He's asking you, what do you really want? What do you really want from me? And I'm, I'm trying to be at the first of the line as the pastor of this church. And I'm saying, I want to be like you. I wanna be like you, and so that means if you gotta fix my sight, I'm asking you to fix it. If you gotta fix my heart, I'm asking you to fix it. If you need, if there's hidden sin, I need you to fix it. If there's something I'm clinging to, if it's riches, then I need you. Others, others, children, rich young ruler, blind Bartimaeus, here it is. I'm a typo on this whole thing. Children. Who comes after children? Children. Rich young ruler. One more time, now that everybody's got it. Children. In all three instances, he was the same. He was just serving. He was just serving. He was just serving. He was just serving. Please catch me. Please hear what I need to relay to you. He didn't have to become less Jesus to reach this group than to reach this one. He didn't have to be less holy to reach. He didn't need a new technique or a new tip or a new tact. He just needed to be Jesus to the kids. He just needed to be Jesus to the rich young ruler. He needed to be. Rich. He needed to be Jesus to blind bar in this instance over here with the kids. He just needed to be Jesus that was willing to serve to their level. Here at the rich young ruler, he needed to be. He did not listen. He didn't need to be so enamored with money that he would change his godliness to pacify. I had somebody tell me years ago? Well, it was another church, another situation, another situation. Can't offend them. They got a lot of money. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just telling you my heart. Well, pastor, have you ever offended anybody? Absolutely. Can I tell you I've offended people and didn't even know. I've offended people preaching and all I was trying to do was deliver the heartbeat of God and people got offended. I've had people while I was preaching think that I had a private conversation with somebody about them and then preaching at them. And all I had done was got alone with God. And I'm gonna tell you, you don't want a preacher different than that. Yeah, but you hurt our feelings. Jesus will hurt your feelings sometimes. He will. He'll tell you, get rid of everything. Kids alone, if I'd have been one of the leaders that had just told the kids to walk away, when he turned and chastised me out, I felt like, give me a break. I'm trying to save your ankles here. Some little kid hanging on the foot of Jesus, Jesus <laughs> How about one of the religious few over here when blind Bartimaeus is crying and they're saying, shut up, don't, don't call, you've got no right. And Jesus says, hey, come here, bud. If I'm one of the people that told Blind Bartimaeus to show, I would have felt like an idiot. I would have been like, you may go now. <laughs> but I got to tell you something. He wants us serving others. He wants, regardless of the culture. That's why I rejoiced last weekend about that two weekends ago that homeless outreach and what others others what was it two friday nights ago i got to sit in that meeting i got to preach in that meeting where the mayor was there and, and i'm thankful for that if it's a ritual i'm thankful i'm thankful for that but I'm no more thankful for that setting than I am for the 50 or 60 Spanish-speaking folks that walked in here last night and they baptized one in the name of Jesus. Nope, 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 nope. No less, no less and no more. I was preaching a meeting the last two days in Ohio. Yesterday at that meeting, a young lady that was wheeled in in a wheelchair caught up out of that wheelchair and began rejoicing and magnifying God. They took a picture of her standing... I told, the team in the, I told the team in the meeting, I said, I'm thankful for that, but I'm not shocked by that. I'm not gonna worship the miracles. I just say, you can do it. Good stuff, you can do it. Whether it's a child at children's church on a Wednesday night that lifts up their hands and little stammering lips begin to move and tears begin... Who are we reaching for? Others. Everybody. Every person, every area, every, who is supposed to be doing it? Let me now, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Watch this, you're gonna feel such confidence. He was blessing those kids, but he was teaching those people. He was trying to help that young boy man, but he was teaching them disciples. He was gonna heal those eyes of that person, but he was changing culture. He was serving more than the individual. He was serving us. Because we're the church. And our focus is supposed to be on others. Who? Who? has you've done unto the least of these. Well, they're not the least. They got a good job if they don't have Jesus. They're, yeah, but they got a big car. They got a big, hear me your smile may go a lot further than you can imagine. Stand with me in this. I gave you my submission at the beginning of my message today when I first gave you introductory remarks. I want our musicians to come. I want our singers to come. My objective today and my assignment from God was not to get you to run around the sanctuary. My assignment from God is for every one of us in this room to allow him to openly and honestly evaluate us and for us to be evaluated by him and say, am I serving others in a way that pleases you? Can I be corrected by you? Can I be corrected in your presence? Am I pleasing? Ooh, I feel something right now. I feel the presence of God. Am I in tune with the heartbeat of God? Am I in tune with the heartbeat of God? Some of you in this room, you're gifted at baking. This might sound silly but he might be asking you to bake a pie for the neighbor that's been going through sins. Some of you in here, you're mechanically gifted. It might be walking across the street and helping. There's men and women in this room. We got intercessors and prayer warriors that have been tapped in and seeking God. If you're an intercessor in this room, I'm asking you to begin to pray right now because God's wanting to do a little heart surgery in this room. He's wanting to do a little heart surgery. What I'm about to call is a tough call. But I'm calling for people in this room that would say there's a, there's a thing too I'm needing to surrender. I'm needing it to start right there in our pews today. I'm asking every person that will just make an altar in your pew by lifting your hands and beginning to talk to God and say, what's the thing, oh God, that's keeping me? It's keeping me from following the way I'm supposed to follow or serve the way I'm supposed to serve. It's keeping me from my childlike faith. It's keeping me from being able to expose the true weakness like Bartimaeus. It's, it's that thing. It's that ego or it's that job or it's that hurt or it's that... Whether it's riches or the lack thereof, maybe your poverty has become your God. Oh, I felt something right there. The fact that you have less than others has become your identity. And I've come to tell you that if you have Christ, you don't have less. Come on, before we sing, I want us to pray all over the room for a minute. I want us to seek. I need somebody to genuinely ask the Lord, are you pleased with me? Are you pleased with me? And if not, I need you to forgive me. And I need you to give me the strength. Oh, how I wish that young ruler would have just just said, Jesus, give me the strength to give up anything. I'm going to need a little more grace to give up.